going to jump into the Word this morning. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we're continuing in a series that we've been uh, preaching on called The New Normal. And uh, today's message is entitled, Failing to Accept Reality. Right on. So let's have a prayer and then we'll jump into the Word. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you that it brings life and hope and power into our lives. It gives us clear direction. It gives us certainty. Lord, it gives us life and hope. We thank you, Lord, for that. So we open our hearts to you, to your voice, uh, to your word, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, recently I was watching some videos on YouTube, and I came across a video uh, about a, a story of a man named Tim Leatherman. And Tim Leatherman is the man who invented the Leatherman multi-tool. And uh, the idea came to him when he was on a trip with his wife, and uh, they took a, a trip into Europe, and then he came home and he got to work on, on making uh, the Leatherman multi-tool. No one had ever thought of or done it before, and, and he got to work in his brother-in-law's garage, and uh, he, he came uh, and took eight years to develop the Leatherman and to get the word out to, to uh, potential buyers. And in those eight years, he approached retailers and, and marketers, and he approached the military, all kinds of different people. And in, in those eight years, he had 500 rejections, 500 businesses, retailers, potential clients rejected the Leatherman. You know, most of them were polite, but the consensus was always the same. No one liked the idea of the Leatherman. Everybody thought his idea was kind of lame. It wasn't until he approached Cabela's Sporting Goods. And they decided to order a small order of the Leatherman. And, uh, and they ordered $12,000 worth of the Leatherman. And they discovered that they couldn't keep the Leatherman on the shelf. And it it took, you know, Tim eight years to go from one order, 500 rejections, to now a billion-dollar company. No one believed it was possible. No one believed in his dream. And looking back now, Tim Leatherman says, there's actually a fine line between perseverance and failing to accept reality. And he says these words of, of wisdom to us, I recommend erring on failing to accept reality. Have you ever failed or felt adequate, inadequate for the task that was at hand for you? That you didn't have the ability, the strength, you didn't have the intelligence, you didn't have the resources, you just didn't have what it took to do what you had to do. Have you ever said, there's just no way I can do this. Maybe, maybe as a parent, you're just pulling your heart out and you're saying, what do I do with these kids? You know, maybe other people have even told you, you should just throw in the towel and try something else. You know, it is in situations like we're in right now. We're regular people. People who don't seem so special, that don't have really any recognition factor, that they will just seem to come out of nowhere and do something amazing. You know, Israel was in a place like that. Things were looking bleak for them, just like now for Canada. 
we're in a bleak time, aren't we? We're wondering what is in our future. That's just when God sent the prophet Joel to help Israel to get things turned around. The nation was in a desperate place. Joel came to say it was bad. You know, they already knew it was bad. But God sent Joel to tell them it was bad. <laughs> but their God was badder. <laughs> that was the message from Joel. You know, things are bad, but our God is badder. You know, if you think sin can cause some trouble, Joel was saying, just wait till you see what my God can do. <laughs> we need God to cause some problems for our problems. You ever think that? You know, our problems seem so great. Well, I want to tell you today, our God is greater than any problem you can face. Any problem you're experiencing, any problem that's in our future, our God is greater, and our God wanted to cause some problems for the problems that Israel was facing. Joel said it this way in Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Let all who live in the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is close at hand. I just love that. I just love that he was out there saying, you know what? The bad stuff is happening, but our God is going to come. The day of the Lord is coming, and he's going to help us through. You know, the problem was that they didn't, uh, wasn't that they did not know of God or hear of what God could do. It was that the force of sin was against them so great that they felt powerless to withstand it on their own. Isn't it like that for us today? The, the force that's against us right now with this pandemic, with all kinds of uh, economic crisis and things, loneliness, all kinds of things that we're going through, it just seems so great. How can we withstand it? They had grown dull in their faith because they were overwhelmed. It was like someone told them, that it's just too hard. It's just too hard. We might as well accept our reality and do whatever we can do. Well, the reality is that we can relate because we all find ourselves in this place that they found themselves in. We find ourselves powerless against the force of sin and the effect of sin. We lose our tempers. We fight with our spouses. We let people down when they're depending on us. You know, all of us, we all have a struggle. We all have a struggle with sin. 1 John 1 verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Just like the people of Joel's day, we've tried to persevere. But the reality of sin's power can seem to overtake us, and we can almost feel like giving up and be overpowered. You can be sure, if God is promising something good to you, then sin is going to be right there to snatch it away from you. In your marriage, there's going to be days when, there, when, when you're going to have to fail to accept reality. You know, you're going to have to say, I'm going to persevere. It doesn't look good, but I'm not going to accept reality. I'm going to believe for something better. You know, other people are telling me I should just give up. I should just get out. But I'm going to persevere. I'm going to believe for a wonderful marriage. With your kids, there's going to be days when you're going to have to fail to accept reality. It might look bad. 
Their choices might be destructive and rotten. But you have to say, I'm going to persevere as a parent. I'm going to continue to love them. I'm going to continue to pray for them. I'm going to continue to believe for them. I am going to not, I am going to persevere. I am not going to accept reality. I am going to believe for something better. When everyone else gives up, I am going to fail to accept reality. and I'm going to continue to believe for my kids. Some of you listening to this right now, you're here because you had parents. You might have had a friend who wouldn't give up on you. You should be texting them right now and saying, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for failing to accept reality and giving up on me. That you persevered for me. You believed for me. You believed that God had a good future for me. That you failed to accept the reality that I was living in. And Joel paints a picture of the destructive forces that had come against Israel. And it's coming against us like waves. And he paints the picture of grasshoppers. <laughs> wow, I'm from Saskatchewan and I know what grasshoppers are like. And they come, they fly in and they chew up everything that's in their path. And he said they would come like waves. They just wanted to eat everything in sight. They wanted to devour their hope. Uh, the hope that we would have for the future. They wanted to devour the dreams that we would have for our lives. They wanted to devour the wealth we were going to use for our future. They wanted to devour our relationships that we had with our kids. They wanted to devour the relationships that we had with our spouses. They wanted to devour our businesses. They wanted to devour our business ideas. And our potential, maybe the song that you have in your heart that you wanted to write, they want to devour that. They want to devour the ideas you have for inventions. They wanted to devour the ideas maybe that you had to inspire people. They wanted to devour engineering ideas and ideas that would help with the social problems that we have in our community. And on and on and on, those grasshoppers wanted to come and just eat everything. And he asks the question, what is going to stop these grasshoppers? And then he answers his own question. I just love reading Joel. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. He says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. That was his answer to the nation. Let's return to God. You know, the answer is in repentance. It's in returning. It's in turning to the Lord. It's in turning our lives from where we were living, where we were going, on our own, to depending on the Lord and turning and running towards him. And then Joel shows us even, not only that we had to repent, but he shows us how to repent. And in verse 13, he says, rend your heart, not your garments. <laughs> you know, he, he says, we can put on a show. We can have big tears. I, and I, I'm good at having tears. I, I'm just soft-hearted. That's not a show for me. So sometimes if I'm crying, don't think I'm putting on a show. We can beg. Uh, we, oh, please, please, pretty please, I'll never do it again. We can physically try and rip stuff up or smash stuff. But the problem is, it's like just throwing a few of the grasshoppers in the fire. And you know what happens when you throw a few of them in the fire? There's a thousand more where they came from to take their place. You know, when I was a young guy, we would have bonfires and we would bring books and magazines and tapes and records. Uh, records are things that you, your parents played music on, just in case you didn't know. And they were 
they were uh, things that we had in our lives that we felt were drawing our hearts away from God. And we would have a bonfire and we'd throw those things in there. And Joel says, you know, tearing your shirt will make you feel better and it'll put on a good show but in the end, it doesn't change anything. Because you know what? We'd throw in our magazines and our books. And, and there was always more magazines and books and tapes and records that we could get. It didn't change anything. So Joel was saying, what we need to do, where we need to find change, is we need to find change in our heart. What's going to stop the advancing army of grasshoppers? What's going to turn the tide? What's going to set us up to win the battle? It's in humbling our hearts before God. And Joel goes on to say that in this act of repentance and turning back the grasshoppers, we were going to attract the favor of God. You know, last week, Pastor Timmy told the story of a young man who was feeding pigs. And he was realizing as he was feeding those pigs that even his dad's hired help were eating better than him. And at that moment, it dawned on him, if he would just go and repent if he would just go and apologize to his dad maybe he could just be a hired hand you know it was in this realization that humility and repentance came upon him you know that is a gift from god when that comes on you that humility that that all of a sudden that light bulb goes on that's what i've got to do i've got to soften my heart i've got to turn my heart back to god that's a gift from God to you. He's saying, I want to give you a gift. You know, repentance attracts the favor of the Father. That's what we saw in this, in this story last week that Pastor Kimmy was uh, sharing in the, in, the, in the message last week. Repentance attracts the favor of the Father. What's going to attract the favor of God towards you? It's repentance. It's humility. And when you feel inadequate... When you don't think that you have what it takes, when you recognize your desperation for God, then you know what? You're in a perfect place. I'm in a perfect place. Joel says this is the place where God can do his best work in our lives. This is how Joel says it in Joel chapter 3, verse 10. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. <laughs> what a powerful verse. I just love that verse. Let the weak say, I am strong. If you're feeling weak this morning, if you're feeling you're up against it, if you feel like, you know what, I've tried everything. I don't got anything left to give. I just feel like I'm at the mercy. And you just can say, you know what, Lord, I need your strength in my life. Let the weak say, I am strong. You know, weakness is the perfect starting point for strength. That's what Joel was saying. The Apostle Paul was going through a, a struggle in his life. He was trying to persevere. He was trying to fail to see his reality. He was just trying to get through those eight years to make the first sale, you know, like Tim Leatherman was doing. He tried to be strong. And you know what? It wasn't working for Paul. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9, not one time he just went to God and prayed and he begged God to help him in his weakness. Not just two times did he beg God to help him in his weakness. He got his friends to come. You know, the best friends, the ones that can really pray good. You know, those ones, those friends. You know, he invited them to come and help him pray. Three times he asked God to help him in his weakness. And this is what God said to him. Paul, 
My grace is sufficient for you. Grace is God's strength. My power is made perfect in weakness. Huh? Where did we hear that before? Huh? Joel told us the same thing. Let the weak say, I am strong. Therefore, I will boast, Paul said, all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. We can look at our situations and think, I just don't think I can do it anymore. I don't think I can take it anymore. We might have failed many times over and over. We might think the obstacles in front of us are just too great, too insurmountable. We might think the problems our family's going through, our business is going through, our church is going through, our community is going through, whatever. We might think the problems and the challenges are too great. We've convinced ourselves that we can't be successful. Well, Paul is encouraging us, just as Joel did, that it's in our weakest moments that we're able to see our greatest victories. Not in what we can do, but in what Jesus can do. What did he has done for us? You know, there's three ways I want to bring to you today that we can make room for God's power in our impossible circumstances. You might want to write them down. Maybe you just want to listen. Let them get into your heart. Well, you know, God's power comes in, in, coming into our weaknesses. Three ways. So three ways weaklings can say, I am strong. This is a great word for me. You know, the first way is to use your words. First way we can... Weaklings can say I'm strong is use your words. You know, Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. Life and death. Isn't that amazing? The power of life and death is in your mouth. We usually have something to say, don't we, about things. You know, my mouth gets me into trouble more than I can say. What we say to others matters. You know, what we speak to our kids, what we speak to our spouses, what do we speak to our colleagues at work, what we speak to people in the community, it matters. But what you say to yourself matters. You know, I find when I've let others down, you know, maybe I've let my team in the office down, the staff team, or maybe I've let my wife down, let my family down. You know what? I don't usually have a lot of good things to say to myself. In fact, I can actually be really harsh on myself. I can really be, really be awful to myself. I'm not coaching myself. I'm just berating myself. You know, my mouth is speaking things to myself that is berating me. The words we speak to ourselves have power. The Bible says they have life and death. We have the choice of being our biggest critic or our favorite coach. What would you rather? If Jesus is the Lord of your life, then he should be the Lord of your mouth as well. Huh? Come on. Come on. It's okay to coach yourself. It's okay to talk to yourself. It's okay to remind yourself that God is good, that God is for you, that God is with you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, it's okay to speak to yourself and coach yourself with words of life. 
You don't be difficult on yourself. When you talk down to yourself and criticize yourself and berate yourself, you know what that produces in you? It's not life. I'm going to encourage you. Use your words. Come on, no matter how weak you feel, no matter how weak you feel, you can open the Bible. You can find some promises. You can speak some life. You know, your words will either unlock a life you love or a life you loathe. Huh? Let's use our words to unlock a life that we love. Second way, uh, weaklings, uh, 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 second thing weaklings can say, a uh, way they can say, I am strong, is to mind your thoughts. Mind your thoughts. Your mind is the stronghold of your life. Your mind is the high ground in your life. It's the controlling ground. In a, in a battle with armies, they want to control the high ground. It's the same way in a spiritual battle between the devil and Jesus. They're fighting for the high ground. They're fighting for your mind. The battle is for your mind. Whoever or whatever controls your mind is going to control your life. You know, we often talk about Christ being the Lord over our hearts. But the reality is, is if he's not the Lord over your mind, then the battles you face in life can be lost. Let's not lose the battle at our mind, right? Jesus said in Luke 10, 27, we've been memorizing this with our small group. I think if you're in a connect group, you've been memorizing this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your Mind, yeah, that's how we're to love God with all our mind. He wants all of our mind. You know, the devil will use your past failures, your past setbacks in life. He'll use your thoughts to condemn you, to build strongholds in your thoughts. He wants you to doubt who God is and who God says you really are. A stronghold is a lie that we believe about our lives and our actions. Second Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, the truth of God, the word of God. And we take that thought captive to obey Christ. And Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is why it's so important to have God's word hidden in our hearts because we can speak the truth over our lives over our minds right this is so powerful when jesus has the high ground in your life when he has your mind you'll walk in strength the grasshoppers they might be back there but you know in your mind who is greater and that is our god is greater than any grasshopper any attack of the enemy. Negative, defeated thinking is not going to lead you to where you want to go in life. So believe this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I just love that Pastor Kimmy was praying just before the message. He is for you. God is for you. The worship team was singing today. He is for you. He is for you. And I have this written down right here. The word of the Lord for you today. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You know, the enemy is saying God does not have good plans for you. 
But God is saying, I have great plans for you. And the battle is going to be won in your mind. Give Jesus the high ground of your mind. Give the word of God the high ground of your mind. God is for you. He's got good plans for you. He's got hope for you. He's got a future for you. The last way a weakling can say, I am strong, is to direct your boast. Direct your boast. Paul said, I am going to boast in the Lord. You know, I'm going to boast in my, my weaknesses so that the Lord would be strong in my life. So what we boast in is what our confidence is in. Joel said, let the weakling say, I am strong. In order to be strong, you have to admit you're weak. Paul said he boasted in his weakness so Christ's power would rest on him. Not only is Jesus walking with you, he's fighting for you. When we stop wrestling the sword out of his hand and trust him, the battle is going to be won with the Lord. You know, boasting in our weakness, it's an invitation not to be ridiculed, but it's an invitation to the God of grace to be mighty on our behalf. Stop hiding your weaknesses. Start trusting him more. You know, Tim Leatherman, he could have easily given up. Who would have blamed him after the first year of failed attempts at building a Leatherman multi-tool? How about the second year, the third year, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year, eighth year? Who would have blamed him to accept reality and just give up? After the 100th rejection letter, after the 200th rejection letter, the 300th rejection letter, 400 rejection letters, 500 rejection letters. Who would have blamed him for accepting reality? Are you there? Are you at the place where you're just about ready to accept the reality that's going on in your life, the difficulties that you're facing, the grasshoppers that are invading your life? Are you just trying to hold on, trying to believe, trying to push through with your kids, trying to push through with your marriage, trying to push through with your business, whatever it is that's God, that God has given to you, whatever dream he's given to you, whatever purpose he's given to you, it might be just holding on by a thread. You know, Tim Leather, Leatherman said, I would lean toward failing to accept reality. You know, this is a day when I want to encourage you. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let's pray. You know, what's your reality? Just bow your heads with me. What's your reality? Maybe you're here this morning listening to this message and you just feel like God is pulling on your heart. This is drawing. You just feel like there's a magnet pulling you. This Holy Spirit is working in your heart. That's what's going on. You see, God is giving you an opportunity to encounter him right now. He wants to give you hope. <laughs> he wants to set you free. From the attacks you're under, the hopelessness you feel, the pressure you're under, the burdens you're carrying. He wants to set you free. He's inviting you into his family. And I'm just going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to be free. 
I'm going to invite you to become a child of God, to know him, to know freedom, to know life, to know hope. Oh, wouldn't that be great for the God of the universe to come into your life, to love you and lead you, oh, empower your life? Just want to give you an opportunity, invite him into your life right now. Invite life and hope into your life. And you can do that just by saying this prayer. Lord Jesus, I just admit right now that I need you. I'm in trouble, Lord, without you. And I just, I just need, I need help in my life, God. I need hope. I just admit, Lord, that I'm lost without you. And I'm just inviting you to come, God, and be the Lord over my life. Lord, I just want to let you know, I believe. <laughs> I believe you, Jesus, that you're the son of God, that you died for me, that you gave your life for me, that you rose again. And Lord Jesus, I just ask you right now to forgive my sin. Make my heart new. Wash me clean. Lord, I just repent, Lord, of living my own way. And I want to live for you. Lord, I just confess that I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And others that are here this morning, listening this morning, watching this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're just feeling huh, like you're just at the, at the end of it. You're just ready to give up. You're ready to give up on the dream. You're ready to give up on hope. I want to say, let the weak say, I am strong. You know, has the enemy been sending you rejection letters? <laughs> well, I want you to know that the God of heaven is coming to you today. And he's saying, let the weak say, I am strong. And so I'd love to just pray for you. Pray that God would come. As you're just opening your heart to him. Just, just, I just encourage you. I just encourage you. Just open, you know, just like Joel said. Let's just rend our hearts. Not our shirts. It's not about the outward stuff. It's the inward stuff. Let's just give him our hearts. That's what God's after. And so, Lord, this morning, we're just giving you our hearts, God. We're holding nothing back, God. We got nothing to lose, we're just giving it all out. We're just pouring our whole heart out to you, Lord. We're giving you our whole lives, God. We've been wrestling them away from you. We've been trying to control. But, Lord, we just know now we have no other hope but it's in you. Lord, in our weakness, God, today, we say, make us strong to overcome. Give us hope. Give us life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the promise of your word. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you that there's hope in you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing hope to people. Thank you this week. There's going to be just miracles happen in people's lives. Strength is going to come. Breakthroughs are going to come. Grace is going to come. Perseverance is going to come. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You're going to fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you.